today on It's Time. Your testimony is that what God has done for you. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in them to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going through this book. This book was written about five years after 1 Timothy was written. Paul, the agent, is writing to a young minister and encouraging him to stay faithful to what God has called them to do. Why do we need that? Well, that's why we get together on Sunday morning and any other time. It's to encourage one another. We need encouragement. We all do. There's never a point in your Christian life where you're not going to need that. And so that's why it's important that we always go where Christians are and be encouraged. So before we read, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word this morning. We just ask you now that you would reveal to us your great love for us. And Father, that as we walk in your spirit and as we walk in the purposes of your word, that there would be effective people led to you in Jesus' name. Amen. What we find here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I like the way this starts off. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Grace is God being good to you, though we don't deserve it. Now, mercy is not getting what we deserve. That's what we always plead for when you get a traffic ticket, you go see a judge or something. That's mercy what you're asking for. But grace is God being good to you because you're his kid. I like that. We have a good God. In fact, we have the only God. And that God loves you. And so we always want to have an eye for what God and how God not only has blessed us, but will bless us. Now, it's important. Oftentimes, when we take inventory of our life, it shows us how good God has been. A lot of people will look around at somebody else and say, well, I don't have what that person has. I don't have what that person has. God hasn't been good to me. If you're a Christian here today, God has been good to you. And not to look at everyone else, but to look to him. Why is that? Because when we understand who Jesus Christ is, knowing that he wants to be good to us as his servants, God builds into us the temperament and the longevity of being a faithful servant over the course of our lifetime and forever. Now, when he says, you therefore, my son, 
The word therefore always means, why is it therefore? Uh, it's a conclusion of the previous chapter. Now again, when we go back one chapter, if we go to verse 6 as an example, you might want to do this, we find another therefore. Why is that one therefore? Well, he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. The laying on of hands was that of showing transference of authority. That's what he's doing. And when that happens, the gifts of God, I believe, are evident. That's why I believe it is so important, whether it be in baptism or whether it being in holding hands or whether it be being sent out uh, and hands laid on you. Those are all very important things in which we find to stir up that gift. That's kind of our responsibility. I can let my gifts set on an easy chair and I can forget what God has called you and me to do. If I just become uh, lazadaisical, if I just become uh, self-focused, I can park the resources, the gifts that God has given me. And remember this, every person that's a Christian, God has imparted to you gifts. All of our gifts are different. We find a lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why is that important? Because the gifts that God gives you are to be used within the family of God. Corinthians chapter 13 says, I can have all kinds of gifts, but if I don't have love, it doesn't profit me anything. So God's responsibility has given us gifts. Our responsibility is to use them. Notice verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. That's what we are in Christ. That's what you want to look for. When God is active in our lives, we don't have the spirit of fear or cowardness. Well, what will somebody say if I stand up and say something for God? Friends, you got to get to the point where you just don't care and you do it anyway. That's the way it works. Well, going back over to chapter 2, where we left off last week, he says, be strong in the grace. Be strong in that goodness of God towards you. I like that. And sometimes I have to take inventory. I have to say, well, God, how have you been good to me? Well, you know, I, most of my body sort of works. That's a good thing. God has given us resources that we can use for the kingdom of heaven. In fact, that's why the Bible says, be thankful in all things. This is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. A lot of people, especially on the program to every man and answer, will come in, will call in and say, how do I know the will of God for my life? That's a great question. Well, the first one we find, give thanks in all things. This is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God is, first of all, we're thankful. Why is that important? When we're thankful, we take inventory of our life, resources, and abilities. You see, if I'm not thankful, I disregard what I have. I'm thankful to God. I, I had a car today that I could get to church here in, and I'm thankful it had a heater in it. Why is that important? Well, if you were outside, you know. People down in Florida that are listening to this this morning, or Texas, or Arizona, are going, what is he talking about? Well, when the snow is blowing, 
you're glad you got a heater. God, I'm thankful they invented heaters, and I'm glad I got one. You see, I want to be thankful, and we have to take inventory. Now, there's an old saying, if you're not thankful for what you have, you won't be thankful for what you get. That's why I believe it's so important that we take inventory in our life to realize how good God has been to us, how much his grace, and again, grace is God being good to us and we don't deserve it. I've shared this last week again. Every Christmas, every one of you that are parents, you are extolling grace to your children. It isn't that they've been good all year and you're going to reward them. You're giving them presents because of no other reason than you love them. Well, that's what grace is. So he says, remember, be strong in that grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, that's the idea that we receive from God and then we give to others. We receive from God and give to others. We, we don't want to just be a, a person that receives but never gives. And so the idea then is God blesses us, we in turn bless others. As God has been gracious to you, and again, that grace that he just spoke of comes from Jesus Christ, give that to others. See, and remember... Paul now is in prison. This is the last letter the Apostle Paul wrote. He was going to be executed not long after the last chapter of this book. Why is that? Because he was faithful to Christ. You know, words of God can be extremely convicting. Many people believe when he was arrested the first time, he made his appeal to Caesar Nero that Caesar Nero listened to what he said, he released him, and I think after he really got to thinking about what Paul said, he became angry. The gospel message will do two things in a person's heart. One, it will either soften a person's heart or it will harden a person's heart. You can talk about your trip to Disneyland, you got to shake Mickey Mouse's hand, people will look at you and smile. But you mentioned Jesus Christ, it requires a reaction. And their reaction will either be that it softens their heart or hardens their heart. Always those two. You can never meet Jesus without him causing a reaction in our lives. And so he says, commit these things. As I've committed them, you, Timothy, as you've seen and seen from others, now you learn and you teach others as well. Well, that's an important thing. What do we want to teach people? I think that's a good question. First of all, God loves people. He does. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, sent his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the world. In fact, John 3, 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Why is that important? Because a lot of people feel condemned. They don't come to church because they feel condemned. Maybe sometimes from from, uh, people that have told them that God wouldn't have anything to do with them. I'm sure the devil's very active in that. Saying, well, if you walk into church, the walls will cave in. Well, the walls are made out of steel and reinforced. They're not going to fall in. Aren't you glad to know that? So anybody you bring here, the walls will stay up. That's a good thing. 
We can teach others what God has done for us. Always remember, I've had people say, well, Mike, I'd love to say something about Jesus. I'd love to share my faith. I'd love to do those things, but I don't know the Bible very well. Sound familiar? Well, then share what God has done for you. You know what you have when you become born again? You have your testimony. Your testimony is that what God has done for you. God's grace towards you. And we share that with people. What God has done for others, he'll do for you. That's what people need to hear. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, there are different variations of Christian faith out there that says, well, I as a Christian need to never suffer anything because I'm a king's kid. Erico and tinted glass. Well, what do we find here in the Bible? He said, you must endure hardship. Hardship comes in many different ways to a believer. Hardship can come through the rejection of friends. Hardship can come because you're committed to doing a job, as a soldier would be. So no matter what is happening to me, I must do what I know I have to do for the kingdom of God. In other words, there's a sacrifice to be made. Now, again, when he says, therefore, we must endure hardship, everybody's hardship may be different. Your hardship that you go through may be different than what somebody else is. But I believe in the body of Christ, we can soften the hardship. In other words, you know a lot of hardship happens because you've accepted Christ and either your family rejects you or your spouse rejects you or your children reject you or the co-workers where you're at, where you're employed, reject you. Hardship comes in different ways. Hardship comes not so that to destroy us, I believe, but that we recognize where our strength must be. Our strength always must come from from Christ. If it comes from ourselves, I guarantee you, you will run out. You are an exhaustible supply of whatever it is. But Christ is an inexhaustible supply. More of him, less of me. And sometimes it isn't until we go through hardships do we recognize our dependency upon his great supply that he gives towards us. He goes on and he says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. This is why Paul said, In a couple other places, he said, well, as for the present distress, you know, it's better off that you don't get married than if you do get married. Because one who gets married tends to take care of his family, but he that is single takes care of the things of God. Now, Paul's not saying it's not good to get married, but he's saying if you get married, be sure you keep your priorities right. Because it's something that can happen. You can get yourself entangled and miss why we're saved. And I think this happens sometimes to a lot of people. I think this is why a lot of people don't go to church sometimes, is they're so entangled with getting the lawn mowed and getting the eaves painted and all that stuff. I haven't got time for God. Well, remember, 
without encouragement, it isn't long before we'll become discouraged. Well, and the Bible even talks about those who have abandoned their faith. We'll talk about that in a minute. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. He says, if we're going to get a gold medal, you only get the gold medal if you cross the finish line. That's what Paul's saying. What he's saying to Timothy, this young minister, is cross the finish line. Don't give up. Endure the hardships that come. Now remember, I do believe, and I know this hasn't always been, but the Christian family is supposed to encourage us. Sometimes our Christian family can be quite uh, contrary. The Bible says the the fields are white with harvest, the laborers are few. Sometimes you don't realize that there's no laborers out there with you when you realize, I'm the only one out here whacking away at the weeds. And again, we don't want to be those that aren't in the field at all making fun of those who are trying in some way to discourage them or stop them. Uh, Again, we want to remember, we're here to be encouragers in faith. You, You want to be about your daddy's business. And I want to encourage you as well. If you're out there, just sometimes, sometimes all we can do, you know, people sometimes picture evangelism and you know sometimes evangelism is just getting out of bed putting one foot in front of the other and getting out and getting to work or getting the kids up and getting them off to school sometimes that is great great effort because i see so many people today that don't and so he says you only win if you stay in the race this is what paul is writing this old a battle-hardened Christian man named Paul, writing to a young minister, probably around 30 years old, telling him, hey, stay in the fight. Don't give up. Don't quit. The hard-working farmer must first to be the partaker of the crops. Consider what I say then, that the Lord give you understanding in all things. That understanding is so important. Because God gives that to us so we don't become discouraged. In other words, sometimes I have to have God explain to me, Mike, don't get discouraged because there's a big lost world out there and I have you and the friends of yours out there doing the work. Friends, I'll tell you, it's a lot. It's a lot to do. Not getting discouraged probably is one of the greatest tools that the devil has is discouragement. I heard one time, I think I shared this before, the devil was having a yard sale. He had his little porn books out there. He had his little table of drugs. He had all this stuff and he was selling it cheap. But there was one thing behind the counter a man asked. He says, what's that behind the counter back there? What's, what's behind the table? Oh, he says, that's discouragement. That's not for sale, because if I have discouragement, I don't need all this other stuff. The devil will wipe out more people with discouragement than any of the tricks of the devil. Why is that? Well, because discouragement causes us to look inward. What's wrong with looking inward? There's a lot of TV evangelists who say, just look for that inner light within you, okay? Well, when you do that, what do you find? Nothing. 
Only thing we're going to find if you're a Christian, if we look inward, it should be Jesus Christ. And then we're not told ever to look inward. We're told to look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. So what does that tell us? The reason we come become discouraged is because we see the problem is bigger than I am. And I don't see any way that's going to get fixed. But you know what the Bible says? Don't give up. You know, in the radio world, we are often faced with many different challenges. Sometimes we'll want to move a station, cover more people, cover a, a larger area. And when we initially look at it, it will be said it can't be done. Discouragement. But then you begin to really look at the thing and you think of every single aspect, every single way that something can be done not to accept the discouragement and the defeat if it can't be done. Remember, can't never did nothing. Always remember that. Is it positive confession? No. It's applying the wisdom of God to the situation that would discourage you from not wanting to do anything for God, sometimes not even get out of bed in the morning. So he tells us here, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Looking at it from a different perspective. Friends, this is one of the greatest things that we as Christians have, is that we have another perspective other than our own. Now, the world tries to get it by calling their friends, you know, looking to Ann Landers, uh, you know, uh, Ouija boards, tarot cards, your daily fortune. You're a Scorpio. Don't do any bad business deals today. Tomorrow, just waste it all. But today, don't do any bad. I mean, you look at the goofy advice that you get in the world It's scary. But God, who knows all things, who sees all things from every angle, not just ours, not just from your friends, but God sees every angle. He begins to bring in wisdom. My dad always said an interesting thing. He said, when you've got a problem and you don't know what to do, He said, pray and think in every possible way it can be solved. He said, even the goofy ways. Because sometimes between the goofy and the way you think is that spark of God that will give you the unction to do and get the job done. That's really important. Looking at circumstances of life in a different light. See, people of the world don't have that. The only perspective they have is their own. I did it my way. You know, Frank Sinatra kind of dude. I don't want to do it my way. Because I'll tell you something, friends. I have found there's a lot better ways to do things than the way we do it. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.